I love you. Wonderful words, I love you. What words are these, I love you? Words of God. I believe that God loves us today, and I believe that that's what he would like to show us today. He loves us. He cares about us. And I'm so glad for the word of God that I love you. Um, when we were little, you know, when we were uncertain and feeling scared and troubled and whatever, we came to our mother, our father, and we crawled up into the knees, and, and they put their arm around and said, I love you. What comforting words. These are the words of God today, and we look at John 3, 16, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the heart cry of Jesus today is that man would be saved, and man would come to him, and uh, we, we look at the prayer of Jesus, and I believe it was a cry of, of Jesus' heart when he said to his disciples, he said, I, they want to know how to pray. And they said that they should pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe this was the desire of Jesus, that he says that his kingdom would come and that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is what Jesus wants. This is what God wants, is that all men would come to him. And so the message that I have today would, would center around church leaders, those that God has called to bring the message to a lost and dying world. God would like for us to, um, to ordain elders, leaders, those who would, would preach the message of salvation and, and bring a message to a lost and, and, and dying world. I greet you this morning in the precious name of Jesus. There's no other name I'd rather greet you in than his name, because his name is beautiful, wonderful. There's two, two scriptures we have for our basis for our message. To, they gave me kind of the springboard to my message were one from Luke 22:26 and one from 1 Timothy 3, 1. And I'd like to just tell you a little bit what it says there. Uh, maybe uh, I have a little problem this morning. You have, bear with me. Uh, I've had a little health problems over the past. Some of you know that. And I nearly died about uh, two, two and a half years ago. And I'm still weak in the body. And, and my eyesight is not real good, so it's hard for me to read. And so bear with me. I'm going to uh, uh, try to read here from the scripture. I, I have these glasses. Uh, they don't work real good. And, and then I don't see very good without them. So uh, somewhere between this, I want to get the message to you. I believe as God gives it to me to, for you. Okay. Um, I like to, to notice in, in Luke 22, 26, it says, it says, but it shall not be so, uh, um, it says, but you shall not be so, but he that is greatest among you, let him be as a younger, and he that is a chief, as he that doeth serve. Uh, speaking about leaders, um, it, Jesus was, in this particular account, we go back in another gospel, and it says that uh, Jesus asked him a question. He said to them, said, uh, what were you speaking about on the way? And they, it says they held their peace. They, would, they didn't want to answer what he said or what they said, what they were talking about. And they were, they were arguing about which one's going to be the greatest among themselves, which one's going to be the highest. And so Jesus said, you know, that it, it should not be so, that you're, you're looking to be the greatest. Um, then uh, we'd like to also notice in, in Timothy, 1 Timothy 3, uh, there it talks about uh, one who would desire to be a bishop. It says, 
uh, in 1 Timothy 3, it says, This is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. So it, it's a good thing uh, to desire, or the, or, or the bishop office is a good thing. And I, I listened to a, a message by Dale Heisey, and I was really blessed by that because uh, I, I saw how that in the past, that I believe we've had a wrong concept of what bishop is, what church leadership really consists of. And I believe too often we thought that it's a big position. It's a place where, you know, uh, this, this person's way up here, and we're down here somewhere. But that's not how God intended it to be. And Jesus said that the, the Gentiles, they, they exercise lordship over the people. And he says, but it should not be so among you. They said the chiefest among you should be as a servant. You should be as a as a uh, as a as a um, laborer, as one who cares about others, and not as one who is looking for a position to be higher than others. And so, uh, this is not God's will that there be one higher and one lower. But God's desire is that be people who who would be able to stand in the gap, and those who would be able to to do the work and to be workers in God's vineyard. And, and I'd like to speak about some of the things that I've seen over the past in the years gone by of men who um, I believe had a wrong concept of leadership, and it caused a lot of havoc. And those who uh, had a right concept of it and, and brought, brought a tremendous blessing. And, and this is what we want for the church, is that the church can be blessed, that God's name could be glorified, that Jesus who bought the church we, we did not buy the, the church. We as ministers did not buy the church, but Jesus gave his whole life for it. Uh, and so I'm gonna, I want to give a little parable this, this morning. It's kind of a crude parable, and bear with me. I think the children like stories, so I'm going to give a little story. But uh, I think most of you probably heard of the, of, the, of the story, a very crude little story, but it was kind of a moral backing behind it, was about the little red hen that had wheat, and she wanted to plant it. And she said, who will help me to plant this wheat? And, of course, the pig said, not I, and the chicken, or the, the duck said, not I, and the goose said, not I, and all the others said, not I. And then, then she said, after a while, when it was, it was time to harvest it, who will help me to harvest the wheat? And they all said, not I, not I, and not I. And so finally, you know, she asked down the line, you know, and, and, and they kept saying that they didn't want to do it. They said, who will, you know, uh, uh, help me or take, go with me to get this stuff ground. And no, no, I all said, not I. And uh, uh, then she said, well, who will help me bake it? And they all said, not I. Well, then after she got it baked, after she got it made, she said, who will help me eat it? And they said, I will, said the pig. I will, said the chicken. I will, said the uh, goose. And all of them said, I will. And she said, no, I'll eat it. But wait a minute. That's the way we would look at it. But Jesus didn't do it that way. Jesus came this world. He gave his whole life. He loved us to the very end, it says. He gave his whole life for us. He suffered the cross. He suffered def defamation, def being defamed. They spit in his face. They slapped him in his face. And he said to his, his, his apostles, his disciples, would you go with me? Will you be with me? And, and Peter said, I will go with you to death. If, it, if, it, if it's death, I'll, I'll do that for you. And Jesus did this very night. He said, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. And Peter, oh, he said, I wouldn't do that. But you know the story, how that when, when Jesus was, was out there and he prayed, 
He was there praying when he needed them the most. Uh, and he was, they should have been praying with him. And I think there's too much like us a lot of times. When we should be praying with people, with those who are suffering, with those who have need. We're, we're, we're just like disciples, I think, in a lot of cases. We're sleeping. And I said, I believe that was a horrible dagger in the side of, on the side of Jesus. When Jesus was there praying in the garden, pleading for our case. And he was, he was struggling before God. And he, he saw the salvation of man. He saw, he saw the lost condition of man and, and what man needed. And he was pleading for God for strength. And he was, he was reading anguish in spirit and soul. And there when he needed them the most, they were sleeping. And I said, well, he could hear them sleep probably. He could hear them wheezing in sleep. And I believe every time, every time he took that great long breath, I believe it was a dagger in his side. And I think too often that's where we're at. We're, we're wheezing. We're wheezing when those, those wheezes of sleep. There's a dagger in the side of Jesus. We say we walk with Jesus. But I believe too often we're sleeping. And I think we need men. We need leaders who will stand up and they'll love the people and they'll stand between God and man and they'll, they'll plead their case like Moses. But no. But Jesus, he went all the way to the cross. He suffered all those things because he saw sin. He saw the awfulness of sin and what it done to man, how it took man away from God. And he, he was there to walk before us as a true leader. He is a true pattern of a leader. I believe the church of Jesus Christ, we see in Jesus a true leader. He was a shepherd. He says, he, said, he portrayed himself as a shepherd. He says, he says, I call my sheep. They hear me. They know my voice and they follow me whithersoever I go. But I believe it's too often. It's too much like the little Red story where I did the work, so I'm going to eat it, and you're not going to have no part of it. But Jesus said, I did the work, and you can freely take of it. It's free to you. I want to give it to you. It's my desire to give it. Wouldn't that to, we look at the cross of Christ, and wouldn't we say in our heart, we think about the song of, uh, uh, when I survey the wondrous cross, when I look at the cross, and I see all that Jesus did for me, I'd say it demands my soul, my life, my all. It demands everything of me, every part of my life. And I believe today that's, that's what we need for your leaders is those who have said, Lord, you're everything to me. I like what Ron said. He got up here and said, I saw Jesus. And I think we need people who see Jesus. And those who have contact with Jesus, I believe, to be leaders. But it's too many people want to eat the cake. They want to eat the bread, but they don't want to do the work. And there's too many of them think, well, I did the work, so you can't have, you can't have part of it. And that's the wrong attitude, too. We have an unselfish attitude. Who are those leaders that God is calling in the New Testament age? Who are those leaders? What kind of leaders are they? I'd be their broken leaders. They're like, they're like Jeremiah and those ones who, who wept for the people that said, Oh, that my eyes would be the, I'd have a, a river, like a river of water, that the waters, that the tears might flow down from my people because I long after them. If we had leaders who were broken for before the people loved them and, and walked before them and not as, and not as some great bishop. Uh, you know, I was, I was not too long ago commissioned as bishop, but I didn't feel any bigger than before. I actually felt a little bit littler. I felt like, you know, you know, I don't really deserve to be this, but I want to be all that I can be for the people that I'm working with and for. And I want to be a servant to them. I remember some leaders of the past. When I was a little boy growing up, I remember our bishop. Uh, we had we had several bishops. Uh, two uh, two of them were, were killed in accidents. The first one uh, was sad in a way. Uh, the way that he looked at the bishop office was like you know he felt like he had the power of of, of you know the apostles. And his word was kind of the final word. 
He was back in an old setting, old beachy setting, and, and it didn't go very well. He, he was killed in an accident, and I don't know, uh, I can't say too much about that, what took place, because it's kind of beyond my memory, but I just heard that he, he had the, the idea that he was the bishop. He was, the, he was like the apostle, and people need to listen to him, and they need to do what he said, and, and he, he really had, you know, all the, the weight on himself. Uh, I, I like the words of, of Moses' uh, father-in-law, who came to him and said, Moses, you, you're, you're, you're wearing yourself out, and you're not really doing the best for the people. He said, you need, you need to consider what you're doing. He said, you, uh, you're, you're trying to help everybody, but you can't do it. He said, you should have... You should appoint some people to look over thousands, look over, you know, fifties and hundreds and tens and whatever. And he said, and, and let these men, you point these men, good men, holy men, upright men, he said. And he said, you point these men to, to see these smaller matters and, let, and put them to work and get them to do it. And he said, and then you take the larger matters and, and when there's a question that they can't answer, then let them come to you. He said, and if it be so that God is pleased with this, you do that. And so Moses, he felt like, yes, God was pleased with this. It sounded good to him. And so he took his advice. He didn't say, well, now, wait now. God, God called me, and I'm the boss. And, and they're to come to me. And that's probably, they don't go to somebody else. You come to me because I, I'm the one that God told to do this. But I think that he believed that God was pleased with that idea because he, he decided to do that. And it said it, it was a good thing, good thing that took place because he appointed others. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, uh, he wasn't too proud to say, I can't do it all. And I think too often in the past that some of the leaders that we've had thought that they were ordained as in some great position that they had to do it all. And so the church suffered because of it, because of maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe ignorance, maybe egotism. Uh, I'm not sure what, what the reason for different ones that did all these things. But then there was another bishop that we had, uh, a young bishop. He was ordained. And this man... When he, when, he, when he came up on the platform, I remember still. I, was, I, I, I loved that man. I was, I was a, a, just a little, little boy growing up, like 10, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, and I loved that man. When he went up there, you could see his, he was just full of compassion. It didn't seem like he was up there to say, now I have a position here that you didn't listen to me. Be careful that you obey what I tell you to do because, you know, God put me in this order. He was not that type of man. He was a man who got up there and it seemed like he felt like anyone else could have probably did it just as good as he. And, and yet he, he was such an outstanding leader. Everybody loved him. And people for hundreds and thousands of miles loved him in other countries. And, and I don't understand to this day why this brother, he also was in an accident, was killed and was taken out of my life at 14 years old. I thought my, my world came to an end. And I thought, oh, how terrible. How can the world go on without this bishop? He was such a wonderful person. And he said, he said, I, I, I don't feel that a bishop has any more authority, any more position than, than the other ministers, the other, uh, the other, uh, as the deacon and the others. He said, he said, I'm only in a position to kind of, uh, be uh, or stand between the people or stand in front of him and, and help lead him in, in, in these others he would take uh, advice and counsel from. He was a humble man, and I believe that's what we need. I've said, you know, I believe that the leaders of the church need to be humble men. They need to be men who are open to counsel, open to say, if I'm not doing the way I should, you tell me because I'm a, I'm a human being just like you are. Now, I want to tell you something that I hate to tell you, 
because because it it, it kind of a shame to my to myself. But it's a lesson I want you to learn. I don't want you to do what I did. But I think I think generally in my life since I've become a Christian, I've been open to counsel, and I I've I've taken counsel and I've appreciated counsel, and I felt that when people came and talked to me, that even though it was real hard to accept. Uh, that I appreciated because I felt like the person who came to talk to me, it wasn't easy for them to come. And so when they came, I, I wanted to receive it. And I, and I, I would thank the brothers for that. I'd say, thank you for coming and sharing with me. And, and when they would come, and, and you know, you can usually tell kind of when people want to tell you something that you, that they, uh, that you don't really want to hear. You know, when they come and say, well, I'd like to talk to you, you kind of get this little feeling in your heart that, you know, they're going to tell you something that you don't really want to hear. Well, anyway, uh, and so, what do you do about that? Well, okay, so, what do you want? You know, we're going to just let you have a kind of hard time telling me, you know, what, what do you want now? You don't want them to feel too easy about just telling you too too blatantly what's wrong with you. So you don't give them too much of a welcome. Well, no, I said, now, brothers, I said, it should never be that way. I said, somebody come and talk to you. I said, they had a hard time coming. And I said, what you need to say is, look, brother, uh, uh, you have something on your mind bother you. Uh, look, feel free to tell me exactly how you feel. Whatever you feel is wrong, you tell me exactly how you feel. And so then they tell you. And then you say, God bless you, brother. I know that wasn't easy for you. And, I, and by, by the grace of God, I want to straight, straighten that area out in my life. And I want to do what I should do. Thank you for that. And pray for me that I can be what, what God wants me to be. And they go away happy. And, and then I feel happy that they're happy. And, and even though I feel trouble inside that I, I missed the mark in this area. And yet I, I feel a deep, deep peace inside. I did the right thing. I said, you know, what is it bothering you? Well, this, this thing happened to me. I, I told the church, I said, you should always open your life and, and, and make it easy for a person to come. So that's what I tried to do. You know, I was a young minister. I wasn't ordained very long. And so this brother came to me and, and he kind of cleared his throat and... <clears throat> You know, so then I knew there was something he wanted to say. I said, well, what is it? Is it something that's on your mind you'd like to tell me? I said, go ahead and tell me. I said, whatever it is, you just feel free to tell me that. And so I said, well, i, I got a problem. Uh, you, you've got something in your life that is just not like, I, I don't think it's very edifying. And I'd like to, just wanted to share that. I just kind of hate to do this, but uh, uh, I think you should know about this. And I said, well, thank you, brother. God bless you. Uh, I'm going to try to take care of this. And, and thank you so much for coming to share. And so he went away, and I felt pretty good. And so after a little while, here he comes again. And he knocks at my door, and he's <clears throat> and so I say, come on in, brother. But I'm not quite saying it quite so cheerful. I said, now he's picking on me. As first thought, you know, he's, he's picking on me. So I said, come on in, brother. As he comes in, I say, uh, what, what is it you'd like to tell me? Oh, <clears throat> well, I, I just noticed it was some, something that bothered me, and he waited told me. So, okay. Okay, well, thank you, and God bless you. And okay, thanks a lot. And uh, pray for me. And so he leaves, and, and after a while he comes again, and I say, now this is just about too much. You know, you know, do I really have to say, uh, okay, what is it you want? So I said, I'm just going to let him, I'm just going to let him, you know, find his own way, because it seemed like I'm just encouraging him to be a, a, a kind of like a, a warmonger or something. He's, 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 you know, just trying to make trouble. You know, maybe I'm just helping him to do this thing. And so I just kind of, well, I sit there and look at him, well, Something you want, you know, is there something on your mind or, and, and, uh, well, 
He sat there and didn't say anything for a little bit. Then he said in a real sad voice, he just kind of blurted out. He said, Brother Lloyd, he said, I didn't come to admonish you. I come to say I appreciate you. God have mercy. I learned a lesson that day. I learned a lesson I don't you don't learn. I don't want you to have to learn that lesson. I think it did a terrible destruction. And I believe Satan got advantage of me that time. And I'm sorry to say that today. But I'm human just like you are. But God taught me a lesson that day. We need humble people. We need people filled with the, with the love of God. Those leaders, what kind of people are they? I believe that God wants leaders that portray him. He says, you're my ambassadors. You are the salt of the earth. You are, you are a light of the world. It says, you're the salt of the earth. And I will tell you something that struck me. When I read that one time, it struck me so clear. It struck me so clear like it never did before. I read that scripture many times. I've heard it preached. I've heard it said. But I never saw it like I did that day. Ye are the salt of the earth. If a salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Wherewith shall it be salted? In those words, wherewith? It hit, it hit me like a, might say, 220 volts between my eyes. It hit me. Wherewith shall it be salted? Uh, that's how one brother said. It, it's like hitting it with 220 volts. Uh, but you know what I mean. Uh, it, it struck me that, that God is depending on us. He's depending on men to be leaders. He's depending on us to, to, to walk the way before people and show them what Jesus was. And be like the apostles when it says they were like unlearned men. They were unlearned and ignorant men. They said that they, they noticed that. But they saw something else. They had been with Jesus. And I think that this is what the leaders need to be. Those who have been with Jesus, those who have come into the presence of God and had a communion with God, they know Jesus and they got a word from him. And I, I think those are the leaders that I believe God is looking for. He's not looking for those who are looking for a position and saying, well, I'm the bishop, you know, kind of thing. You know, you need to listen to me because I'm the bishop, you know. That, that's a wrong attitude. It's a very un, unchristian attitude. To have the idea that I'm the bishop, you know, I gotta do everything, you gotta listen to me, you gotta come to me first. And, and a brother came to me one day, he said, Well, I, we did some things and, and, and we didn't tell you, and I, I'm sorry for that, and, and I really feel bad about it. I said, Hey, don't, I said, don't worry about it. I said, If it needed to be done, thank God you did it. I mean, that was my heart, you know, thank God you did it, because I'm glad you did it. You know, well, you know, we should have told you first. No, no, I, I don't really feel that way. Uh, and I don't have, I don't have very little problem with that. Uh, and over the past, I will tell you some more experiences I've had with people and what terrible destruction it brought because people, because ministers had the wrong idea about the bishop office, the leadership offices and what, what that really meant. And, uh, uh, one brother I worked with years ago in, in, uh, a church where I was at. I was with several churches, uh, over the years and, and helped pastor several churches. And, but this particular church, uh, I was ordained as deacon. And, uh, so I had supposed a little bit more authority, you know, in our way of looking at things than the minister. 
uh, you know, the bishop first, and then, of course, we look at it, we used to kind of look at it in our mind, I don't know how we got this, but there's a bishop here, and then there was a minister here, and a deacon here, but the bishop wasn't there, then the deacon, he got up here, you know, so, you know, I was a deacon, so I got every now and then called up here, supposedly, but, uh, um, so I, I got, I got challenged different times. I got challenged as a deacon. You know, the deacon was supposed to try to keep peace. And I don't know exactly where all that came from. I guess he decided it's a good idea to have the deacon to make the peace. And he goes out and talks to people. And they always kind of worried when deacon to come around. Well, here comes the deacon. He's going to, he's going to get on to me out of something because here's, here comes the deacon. I, I think that's kind of wrong concept, wrong way of looking at things. But, and I, I told the brother, I got a little, little problem with that because, uh, I, I don't like to go around every time and, and be the one to, to might say, stir, stir in the hornet's nest. Uh, maybe that's the wrong way to look at it. In church, it shouldn't be no hornet's nest anyway. But, but you know what I mean. You know, we, we sometimes we tend to be a little feisty when somebody comes and tell, you know, tells us we're not doing right. And so, you know, we might be, uh, we might be tempted to sting him a little bit too because he stung us. Well, um, and so that wasn't very pleasant as, as being a deacon, but, um, <clears throat> We had some problems in that church, and, and things weren't going exactly right. Uh, and they were just like all churches. It wasn't no big problem, but uh, it, it could become a big problem. And so um, and we did, we've talked about that, our concerns about the church, and some of the things are going on. And uh, I said, well, you know what? I said, we preach on this situation. It seemed like they don't hear it. And I said, I think it would be a good idea to call up, maybe I'd say Brother John Martin. Uh, I'd say, well, let's call John Martin and get him coming and, and teach on this subject. And anyway, this brother said, well, no. Uh, uh, he said, we don't need to get a little bro- brother in here. He said that if they don't listen to us, their heart isn't right, and they need to repent. I said, well, wait. I said, I realize that. I said, it's possible that that's, what, that's the way it is. But maybe if another minister came, you know, may, maybe, maybe there's something in our life that hindered them from seeing. Maybe that minister came. And he, he taught, you know, how it should be that, um, that that would be, uh, that would help them to see the wrong that they, that they were in. And, uh, that if they would see it and repent, well, praise God. I, I'm so glad that if a brother could come like John and share, I'll just thank God that he came and shared. And I, I believe that, that God would be blessed by that. Okay. Or I any minister. I'm sorry, John, for picking on you. Uh, you look big and strong, and so <laughs> forgive me for that. Uh, but anyway, um, I, I feel like, well, well, uh, I, I told him, I said, look, I have no problem with somebody else coming and telling me. If, if somebody else can tell them, well, praise God. And I think the main thing is we should have in mind is for the salvation of the people. And, and if we don't have that, we, we get all messed up and it's going to be a complete havoc and a mess. And so anyway, um, so this brother, he's going through his life, um, you know, feeling like threatened. And feeling like, you know, people are just not recognizing like they should and they don't have a right heart and all that. And he's, he's had problems. And I'm sad to say that he moved somewhere else and he became the, the bishop in the way of speaking to the church. And, and he was a leader there. And they had uh, a nice sized church and a uh, number of, uh, non-Mennonite people. Uh, if you will say that, I would say it. I, uh, the Baptist. Uh, and it was going pretty well. But it, it, it again surfaced while he was working with this group. And he was all the time, you know, like, uh, threatened by it. That people wasn't recognizing him as they should have. And, and finally, um, they all left him and he's by himself. And today he's completely by himself. 
Oh, I believe because he had the wrong, wrong concept, wrong way of looking at things. I, I knew another bishop, way another, another setting that uh, had the same kind of idea. He was very intellectual, very smart man. It's, to me, it's a terrible shame. Such a smart man, such an intellectual man, one that would, would could have been a tremendous asset and tremendous, might say, a tremendous help in, 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 in the kingdom and in, in, uh, spreading the gospel and working in the church and whatever with his knowledge. But he knew he was smart. Uh, and, and, and he, it seemed like he, it just always was kind of a, um, a problem for him because uh, he could write. He's a tremendous writer. But it came a day just not so long ago I heard that uh, well, Brother Carl Masson said uh, uh, something about his church. And he said, I don't have a church anymore. Just this past Sunday, everybody walked out on me. Well, how sad. How terrible. And, and I think Satan would like for us to believe that, you know, somehow or another, you know, we have a position we need to protect. I'm not here to protect my, my position. If God won't protect it, if God isn't there with me to keep it, I don't want it anyway. You know, I, I want what God wants. And if God wants me to be a leader, he's going to have me as a leader. And I don't want, I don't want anything different than what God wants. And, and I don't want to, to promote, promote myself up there. Another brother told me, he said, uh, I was ordained very young. I was ordained just shortly after I was ordained. I, we had one child, and uh, um, I, I felt very, uh, very incapable of being ordained. I did tell my wife before we were uh, married, I said, um, uh, we were courting, and I said to her, I said, now, I feel that God is calling me to the ministry. You know, I, I haven't told nobody else this. I just, I'm just telling you. And I said, it, it just in case that you uh, don't want to be a minister's wife, uh, I said, you might consider that. Because I said, I think God is calling me to the ministry, maybe way down the road somewhere. But I feel that God is calling me. And so I never, I never pushed that. I never felt like I needed to push it. I, if God, if that was really true, He was going to do it. But at least I didn't want, I didn't want to be hindered. If God was calling me for that, I didn't want to have anything to stand in the way. And I didn't want, you know, to, to say, well, you know, after we got married, well, she said, well, I'm not willing to do what God tells you to do. And so she said, well, I, I don't feel worthy. She said, I, I don't really feel like I'm good enough for her to be a minister's wife. And I said, neither do I feel worthy to be a preacher. Or be a leader. I said, but if God calls us, I said, we need to be willing to do that. I said, if you're willing to do that, then I think, I think that it'll be okay. And so she said, I, you know, I want to be willing. So we married together. Praise God, she's still with me. And she's been a wonderful blessing. She's been a, 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 a God sent from heaven. She's been stood by my side, just thick and thin. And I thank God for her. <clears throat> but now, uh, what am I saying? Um, uh, this brother said to me some years later after I was ordained, uh, a brother from the church where I was from, he was off somewhere else, another, another church, and I went to the visit him. He said to me, he said, Lloyd, he said, I, I, I was shocked the day that you were, you were voted in the lot to be a minister. I, I was shocked. And I said, I was too. The indication was that it's kind of like, I should have been in there, but, but you were in there, and I don't understand that. You know, you were, you were not all that, you know, great a person. You weren't all that smart and whatever, whatever, and here you were put in. I, I don't understand that. And yeah, I said, I know, I don't, don't know, I don't know to. But uh, uh, God has been with me, you know, ever since that time, and I, I, don't, I don't really understand all that. But 
Uh, God has never let me down. I tell you, there's been some rough, rough times, but it's been blessed time, wonderful time. Just simply submitting to God and saying, God, wherever you want me to go, that's where I want to go. I want to be what you want me to be. And, and God has been with me and he's helped me. I praise God. It's God. You know, and today I say, you know, I, I feel kind of, I kind of feel sorry for you today because I'm feeling sorry for you. Before I got up here, I, you know, um, I really wanted to hear Dale Heisey preach. Uh, I heard a message by him on this subject. And it was such a beautiful message. And I, I said, it's such a shame that Dale Heisen's not up here preaching this message. But I, I'm glad to do this. Brothers, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I don't mind doing this. I, in fact, it's, it's an honor to me because I love Jesus and I want to do the best I can. I might not do as good as Dale Heisey, but that's, that doesn't matter. Because I want to tell you this. Uh, I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm, I don't feel, I don't look at myself as being very intellectual. I don't, I don't look at myself being very smart. And sometimes I feel a little stupid. But one thing that I'd like to say is that it's been a comfort to me in First Corinthians. I think it's the uh, first and second chapter somewhere there. It talks about, it says, God has not chosen, the, not, not many wise have been chosen, not many mighty, not many great men have been chosen. But God has chosen that which is low, that which is nothing, that which is, you know, uh, looked down on. He chose that. And so, anyway, what I was going to say about Dale Hazy. Um, and so I, I, I thought in my mind, about something I had to kind of chuckle to myself. Um, but this preacher came to this church, and uh, uh, he got up there, a strange preacher, and a little little child looked at his mother and said, Mama, who's that man? He said, uh, oh, he said, he's a substitute. He said, well, he, he sat there a while, and he thought, and he couldn't figure this out, substitute. He thought, he thought a while, and he said, well, he said, Mama, he said, what's a substitute? He said, uh, well, son, she kind of looked around a little bit, and she looked over. There's a window beside her there, and the windows broke out, and there was a piece of cardboard stuck in there. And she said, see that cardboard right there? She said, there was a window there, and they said they stuck a cardboard in there. That's what you call a substitute. Oh, oh, I got it. So that's great. It's a substitute. So he's sitting there, and he's just, he's just you know, thinking about all this. And this preacher, he goes on and on and on and on and on. And he grinds away, and finally... Finally, this little boy looks up at his mama and says, Mama, I don't think he's no substitute. I think he's a real pain. <laughs> so I thought, well, maybe you'll think by the time I'm done, you're the real pain. <laughs> Forgive me for being a little humorous. I think God had a little humor. And I, I think we ought to be happy people. And we ought to accept that even, even when we don't have the most, that God is a great God. He's a wonderful God. And he's, he cares about everyone of us individually. And, and he, he cares about you, you and, and, and everyone. There's not one he hasn't missed. Jesus gave the story. He said, he said about the, the, uh, the shepherd. He said, uh, you know, I'm thinking about leaders and, and shepherds and so on. Jesus said that this man had nine, a hundred sheep. And he, the shepherd went out in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, on the hills with his sheep. And then he said he brought them back at night. And he, when he came down to the end, he counted. He counted the sheep as they went in. And he come out, 98, 97, 98, 99. Oh, one's missing. He looked at his caretaker and said, there's one missing. Oh, I said, don't worry about it. That, that one, he said, you got the nine and I leave go. He said, no. He said, I go out to find that sheep. And, and, and so he said he went out and he sought for that sheep. He sought to the founder. 
And this is what Jesus was training himself as a shepherd. That he cared about every person. Every person. It don't matter how little you are. How insignificant you might seem. You feel God cares about you individually. He sees you today. And, and that's the shepherd that we have. Jesus. And we want those kind of shepherds today. Leaders who cares about every person. Leaders. It's a good thing. He who desires the office of a bishop. It says desires a good thing. The good thing as the leader or the bishop. It says a bishop must be blameless. He, a blameless person. We need people who are, are not uh, not living in sin, not living in ungodliness, not living uh, in unrighteousness. The husband of one wife. Vigilant. That shepherd, that shepherd should be a vigilant person. Those leaders we call should be those who are watching, who care about the sheep. They care about the sheep more than their own life. They care about them and they, they long after. Paul the apostle was a great leader. And I, I see the words of Paul. It, it, it blesses my heart when he says, I spent hours of fasting, praying and, and, and seeking and weeping for you. Many hours I wept for you, I prayed, I cried for you. And I believe this was a leader that God was calling for. Men who had a compassionate heart. Men who were vigilant. Men who saw when the enemy was coming. They were sober. They, they were alert. They weren't, they weren't caught up in affairs of life. They weren't, they weren't caught up in thinking, well, I have to do this and I have to do that. I got so much business going on. I can't do God's business. I said, I said in my life, I tried. I tried all through my life not to have a business that I couldn't say, well, if I needed to, I could take off and do that which is important, that which God has called me to. Most of my life since I've been a minister, I've been um, my own boss, in a way of speaking. That was never my own boss. I always had somebody telling me what to do because I was working for other people always, but I, I had my own business. But at least I could say, well, I could, I could arrange my things so I could do God's work. You know, and I, I believe part of God's work is working. It's making a living. But uh, we ought to never, the leader should not be caught up. Those, those leaders that God's calling should not be caught up in the world and its system where, where they're, they become so intoxicated with the affairs of life that they can't see when the devil comes. I believe the devil is, is, is a roaring lion. He goes about seeking whom he may devour. And he's among us. I believe we can almost smell his, his breath. He, he's, he's coming among us trying to, to, to destroy the people. And we need to be aware of that fact. We need to be vigilant of how he works and what he does. And I believe the other way those leaders can have that, that vigilant uh, approach to seeing what the people are, you know, the dangers that are coming is that he has contact with God, that he has the Holy Spirit in his life, that, he, that the Spirit of God is, that he is he's aware of the Spirit, that he's, that he's sensitive to the Spirit, and that he's ready to, to move when the Spirit says, there's something going wrong, there's a danger here that's coming up that you need to address, and that we're not there in a way of trying to promote my position. Uh, it's not that we're not protecting a position. We are, we are there protecting the souls of the people. We're there looking for the souls of those who Jesus bought with his own blood. Jesus gave his whole life for the people. He, he gave everything he had. He came down from heaven and he lived on this world. In this world, he went to the, he went into the judgment hall. There he got spit in the face. He got slapped and he got rejected. His own, uh, the apostle disciples left him when they needed him most. And there's by himself. Peter was the only one there. And he even denied, I don't even know the man. And there Jesus was. This Jesus deserves all of our attention. There should nothing come between us and God's work. 
I believe those leaders that God called, he, he wants us to, he wants them to be sober. He wants them to be of good behavior, given to hospitality. I believe that the leader of, uh, of, of Jesus Christ is one who cares about the people. And, and I, when I was first ordained and we were young, we, we lived in a trailer and, and we had the opportunity of, uh, of uh, hosting a lot of people. And they would come to church. And I said, I said, if anybody had come to church, for sure they won't go away without being invited. And sometimes we had two or three families come to our little trailer, and they had to walk in, and we put a table up, and they, and they strung in uh, one side of the table, and they could walk right in and sit down, and they just got in there. And one time it was like that, and they, uh, one, one brother told me years later, he said, you know, that was one of the most pleasant times I ever had. We all, all we had, there was soup. And, you know, some people think, well, if I don't have uh, mashed potatoes, I don't have green beans and, and corn and, and all the goodies that we Amish Mennonites have, if we don't have them, we can't invite them. That's foolishness. I, I think it's, it's that love and that fellowship we have is a greater blessing. Jesus says that, that work that I have uh, is, is meat to me. It's, it's a wonderful thing. We can get together. We can fellowship. And we can sit around each other and, and speak about the wonderful grace of God, the goodness of God, and where he brought me from, and all the good he's been to me. And, and, and just share those wonderful blessings together. I, I think that's what the type of leaders we need today, not those who are trying to pull themselves up by the boot, bootstraps. They pull in there and pull in, and they can't walk nowhere. They can't go nowhere. They keep pulling on the boots. And I think we need to throw those boots off and take off and go to work. I think it's time that we have leaders, men who love hospitality, love the people, and they're apt to teach. <clears throat> I, I see my time is getting away from me here, but they're apt to teach, and I believe it's one of the great important things they're doing is teaching the people. They need to be taught. Jesus taught the people, and they come you know, by the thousands, hundreds, to hear Jesus, and he sat down, and he taught them, and, and he said one place, he taught them as, as, as having authority and not as the scribes. I believe what that was is he had complete love and compassion from them and they doubted and they didn't doubt one bit what he was saying came from his heart and was a message that was true and right and good i think it's time to quit uh i think it's quarter till we're supposed to stop okay well, god bless you and there's so much more that could have been said but thank you and i i trust that i wasn't a pain but god was a blessing to you bless you